Welcome to episode 15. Are you sure? Promise I counted. 15 episodes? Episode 15 of the Sink or Swim podcast. I don't believe it. Today is a unique episode. It's a special episode, right? It's special and it's sad. I don't even want to talk about that. It's special because we have two... It doesn't need to be like that. Just so you know, Mitch feels like he needs to leave early and he doesn't. He can stay. And Sam's really sad about it. He could at least stay till graduation. It's two weeks. It's two weeks till we graduate. It's two weeks. We can do things off your South Florida bucket list. <laughs> One, like go watch to... an airport fight. Two, <laughs> <laughs> go to Chewy's Quesadillas. No, well, that we can do anywhere, but we can go to Versailles. Okay. Which is, you know, the, the most classic Cuban eatery that you can eat at in Miami. Shout we didn't out have. Versailles. We, <laughs> we only had With three the and best a half croquettes. years to do this. Yeah, but now you have time. Here's what else we can do. Mm-hmm. We can go play on one of those garbage mountains. <laughs> <laughs> they have those in Florida everywhere. The landfill? <laughs> no, yeah, no, not a landfill. A no, garbage mountain. mountain. Garbage mountains, like in Wally. Um, okay. The but, sad part is this is my last episode. But the exciting part is we have um, two very special guests. Two extremely special guests. And we actually, you know, last time we had four people, we ended up using three mics because we had a catastrophic failure of one of our mics. And it I, wasn't one of our mics. It was true. one of the NSU HPD. It was on its way the out. The studio mics. <laughs> it was one of those mics. It was like a 10-year-old mic. It died. But they did replace it with a really pretty mic. Yes. Um, now we have four individual microphones for four individuals so this is going to sound much better because if you remember the last time we had four people mitch hit me in the face with this uh with the swing arm with the swing arm um i don't think you call it a swing arm but i swung the arm into your face yeah okay so we have special (laughs) guests if you've been paying attention if you've been listening to our podcast and reading the emails that mitch sends out sometimes um, which shamefully these guests here haven't been doing um (laughs) you know that we've been working on this (laughs) This project with two of our colleagues, two of uh, our colleagues who are in their M1 year here at NSUMD. Um, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce the guys, Mitch? Two of these guys, William Dawson and Brandon Kay. Welcome. Wow. Welcome. 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 Wait, well, first, William, say hello so people know your voice. Hello. <laughs> oh, more. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Will, uh, William Dawson. I grew up in Rochester, New York. Uh, I spent some time in Rhode Island and in North Carolina, and now I'm down here. And, uh, yeah. You didn't have to think of something interesting about yourself. Oh. That's what you, if you like, you know how at interviews they go, tell us something interesting about yourself. I got another cat. Those are hard to, I know, I saw pictures. You saw pictures. Um, we're going to talk about you. He has a beautiful, beautiful black cat with long, wispy fur. Um, that's accurate. What's what's her name again? Luna. Luna, that's right. Um, and then you've got this new beautiful cat with long wispy fur, but it's white fur mm-hmm. with a little smidge of black on the chin, the under chin, <laughs> right? Yes, he's got like a and little what's, beard. What's his name? Suki. Suki and Luna. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. And we have Brandon. Brandon <laughs> K. Welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, my name's my name's Brandon Kay. I'm originally from Central Florida. Uh, went to school at UCF. Um, sadly, for better or for worse, I am the quintessential Florida man. I've been here all my life. Um, <laughs> so me too. Yeah, it's it's an experience to say the least. But yeah, I primarily do a bunch of weird, just hobbies like 
sharpen knives, make <laughs> mead. It's great stuff. No, we talked about hold this on. making mead before for hold like on, 30 on. minutes. It's pretty interesting, actually. I want to address about that. You are not the quintessential Florida man, for sure. Oh, boy, that's <laughs> Because when I think of the, the quintessential Florida man, he's doing meth. And he's, you know... Hitting my Kia Forte with a huge belt outside my apartment complex. With soap inside of it. <laughs> or like eating a face-off. Um, no, you, they're not making mead and sharpening their knives. Well, maybe sharpening uh, yeah. their knives. <laughs> this is possible. I mean, well, what I mean by that is, you know, I've been here my whole life, so I've, I've gotten the full experience of... Um, and I've done a bunch of the, you know, stereotypical childhood things as a, as a Florida kid, you know, go on some property and shoot random stuff and uh jump in alligator infested lakes and you know some okay. so there's some florida there's as a some florida child florida. does do you know how have you heard about how you can look up and see what kind of florida man you are is this is this a buzzfeed google, poll no but if you google <laughs> florida man and your birthday an article will pop up let's I'm, all do it yeah i can <laughs> tell you it. i've done this before and i'm and I'll tell you what my Florida man is. You tell me what your Florida man is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're putting in the year as well? Um, you, no, just put okay. the date. Okay. The headline, <laughs> you're in trouble. Like, you're in trouble, but it's like, you're, you're in, in trouble. Florida man takes leak and stores beer cave, police say. $113 worth of beer damage, police say. <laughs> Wait, it says 113 and 36 cents. <laughs> Like, very specifically. <laughs> What's your Florida man story? Well, mine are... Are? Like, multiple? <laughs> yeah. Well, Florida man arrested for pleasuring himself with an ice pack in front of first responder. That's not allowed. With That's an ice pack? That's not allowed, no. Mine is uh, the Florida man known as the Monkey Whisperer, arrested for illegally selling primates. <laughs> We'd have another one. Half, oh, half-headed man arrested again for attempted. Half-headed Florida man arrested again for attempted murder and arson. Did you get yours, bud? Yeah, Florida man arrested after hitting dad with a pizza because he was mad he helped birth him. <laughs> So yeah, I've also been in Florida my whole life, but I've I've managed to avoid most of them until I moved down here. But how'd you like your UCF experience? I like well, I'd like to hear from both of you. Like, kind of, I mean, you can go back as far as you want, but it's always cool asking guests how they kind of got here to being a first year student. So yeah, I mean, you you can go first. I'll, I'll gather my thoughts a little bit. Oh, okay. William Dawson. Yes. The Will Dawson. Mm. Is there a creek outside your house? <laughs> no. no. Actually, there was when I grew up. Yes. There was? Okay. Yeah. Did you call it Dawson's Creek? We didn't, but no? in hindsight. You point, should have, huh? Exactly. I kid. You were probably several years after that you were born. Mm. So tell us about your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, You're from Rochester. Rochester. Which yeah. I learned is the snowiest city in the United States. Yeah. Tell us about that. It's very snowy. Um, <laughs> Buffalo, Syracuse, and Rochester all get like the lake effect. So uh -huh. uh, we usually have over 100 inches. A year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's it's six months out of the year. It's winter. So. My goodness. Yeah. Okay. So you're down here in Florida. Things are different. Yeah. So I went. 
Tell us. Go on. Well, I went to undergrad at Brown and... Where's that at? Rhode Island, Providence. Ah, I know of Quahog, Rhode Island. That's about all I know. And Is that a real place? I'm really bad at geography, to be honest. Like, you know, in, in Family Guy, the Quahog... Quahog, oh. Rhode Island with the clams. No, you guys don't watch that show? I, I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Okay, all right. Sorry, I want to back you up. <laughs> I just don't know what you're talking about. You, you, know, you, don't, watch, you don't watch Family Guy? Of course I've watched Family Guy, but I don't know that Quahog? reference. No, I didn't know that. It's like in every episode. I didn't know that, thanks. I guess you're not a fan. He's the quintessential New Englander. That's that's like the that's like the whole... Who, Peter Griffin? That's the, gi- mm. the gist of that is like a quintessential New England family except you know a little bit of some other weird stuff i've been told i walk like him so it's a a badge of honor i carry so you go to brown which is this very prestigious university right it's an ivy league yes okay what do you study when you're there computer science and economics is what i studied why did you pick that well uh i originally didn't want to go into medicine um originally i wanted to be a stay-home dad Okay. Um, <laughs> and I thought, you know, on my pathway to stay home dad, getting a well uh, sort of degree that could get me into sort of a multiple fields that would help support my family would be best. But Okay. Uh, so about, did you have, do you have kids? Is that why you're like, I want to watch my kids grow up? No. Or these are future kids you're talking about? Yeah, future kids. I think I was just kind of lazy. Okay. <laughs> And I thought that, you know, raising a family would be rewarding. Okay. I agree with you. I think so. Well, you are a stay-at-home dad now, kind of, right? Because you did a lot of Zoom classes and you have two cats at home. So you're essentially living your dream. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So you study computer science. At what point do you go, oh, my gosh, medicine's for me. Enough of this stay-at-home dad stuff. I think I kept pursuing computer science for the first couple of years. But I think during those two years, I was more and more you know I disliked it and didn't want to really do it and then in my third year I uh, decided to switch into medicine because I thought that would be a more rewarding experience how was that for you when you made the switch were you finally like okay this stuff's way better than computer science this is no. no. <laughs> okay. No. Well, I did not like organic chemistry. And a Nobody lot of the- likes organic. Mitch <laughs> oh, says he I, does, but he's weird. I like organic yeah, chemistry. Yeah, well, again. again. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair. I got your back, buddy. Yeah. So you didn't like organic chemistry. Don't worry. You're not alone. I don't think a lot of people like with, you know, present companies. The exception of half the room. Um, <laughs> so you don't like organic chemistry, but you like the biology stuff. A fair bit, yeah. A fair bit. Okay. And so what do you do? You complete pre-med, pre-reqs, and then tell us about the process. Uh, yeah, so I started taking sort of freshman courses in my third year. Uh, I was able to finish all my prerequisites uh, by the end of fourth year, but I decided to take an extra year to do a master's program, hmm. and that I did at Duke, their special master's program, uh, mm-hmm. Master's of Biomedical Science. Um, that was a good experience, a um, lot of support there, which was great. And then uh, from there, I, I spent two years at Duke Primary Care, being a medical assistant, medical scribe, and I took the MCAT during you know the last year, and then I'm here. So I I I know a lot about SMPs in terms of what I from what I understand is it's essentially going through the whole first year of medical school mm-hmm. with medical students. So the idea is that you're supposed to be very prepared for medical school once you arrive. Is that has that been the case? 
I think this one was run a little differently. Okay. We were sort of separated and never really interacted with any medical students. Did you have the similar courses or? It was modified for us. Okay. Um, and definitely less, probably less rigorous, uh, I assume, than what they did. But it was still pretty rigorous. Yeah, I um, would think more rigorous. Hmm? I would think it would be more rigorous. Why? Well, that way you're prepared for med school when you get there. You didn't find that to be the case, though? It's hard to know. I, I haven't, you know, I don't know exactly what the they, the medical students at Duke do, but I know it was taught by the same teachers, mm-hmm. so it was probably pretty similar. Okay, okay. So you go through that, and then you start scribing. What do you scribe in? Like, what kind of industry or specialty are you scribing in? Uh, primary the, care, right? Yeah. Okay. So you do primary care, and that's when you take your MCAT. I'm assuming that went well, because here you are. It went pretty well, yeah. Okay, and then we will get to the application point. Tell Mm -hmm. us about, you know, how did you decide where to apply? How many schools did you apply to? Uh, I applied to, I applied a little bit late, which was a bad decision, I I hear. (laughs) But Well, it depends how late it is. Um, How late was it? Like in October? He's looking at Brandon like they did this together. I'm like, I don't remember you telling me this. <laughs> I think it was October. So you applied late. You were a late applicant. You, that was your when you submitted your primary application? No. I submitted my primary, I think, in either August or September. Okay. Okay. And then I finished my secondaries. All by October. Still a few End months of October. after most yeah, people. That is late. That yeah. is true. You did apply late. Um. But I applied to 44 or so schools. Oh, wow. Okay. And then I got interviewed at eight or so. Okay. And then I got into one. Okay, that's good. That's perfect. And do you remember where you were when you got this coveted acceptance? I was in my bed. That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So you just like, you pulled up your phone, you got an email. And you said, oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. You tell Luna? Is she excited? <laughs> yeah, I got back from work. Okay. And I went to my bed, and uh, then I got an email, and I did tell Luna. And you were excited, obviously. The hard work had paid off. Yes. I got okay. it pretty early, I think, because I had interviewed, I think, like in December, and I got accepted in January, so okay. Uh, okay. it was very relieving. I bet. Yeah, then you can just relax the whole rest of the cycle, mm-hmm. which I will say for, you know, for people... Maybe your typical pre-med, the year you apply for med school can be full, it will be full of mostly rejections, you know. It's really when you get your first dose of being told you're not good enough. So it's kind of a hard year in that regard, if you see it that way. But you'll get definitely more rejections than you will acceptances, depending on how many places you apply to. Um, okay, all right, now you're here. Tell us what's going on. They have this Mitch. They have such a jaded first year kind of vibe to them, right? <laughs> I remember oh, that. Yeah. I remember that time though. I think we felt the same. Well, I didn't, but you did. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> how's, how's it going? First year's been a roller coaster for me. Yeah. Um, ups and downs. I've always I've always kind of struggled with studying enough, mm-hmm. and I have periods where I study a lot, periods where I study very little, uh, and that fluctuates a lot for me. And right now I'm doing better in cardio for sure. Brandon's been with me. Okay. You know, 
and yeah keeping me accountable a little bit and before we i want to talk all about how first year is going because that's like the bulk of what i want to talk about is comparing our experience to theirs should should we introduce that's uh, what i was going to say brandon could you just there's another person in the room (laughs) (laughs) hi brandon hello yes i can be here we're excited to have you (laughs) pumped to have you both can you just kind of run us through your journey to when you got that acceptance letter in your bed now are you opposite (laughs) from william did you know from day one of your existence i'm gonna be a doctor actually yeah pretty early um earliest memory i have is around five years old okay um evidently it technically started earlier um around two years old when my my mother has been through quite a lot of health Mm -hmm. complications but i don't remember you know my personal experience with that per se evidently it started earlier but um stereotypical you know i want to help people kind of thing that is a little tiny child that's what you see as um doctors kind of embodying and so um yeah it's it started pretty young and I was in a really nice um, science program at the school that I went to it's a k through it was a k through 12 school um, and that science program when I was in the downtime of not doing science fair project there the teacher there shout out to Jennifer Kennedy um, she's the what is it I'm shouting her out Oh, okay. Shout out. Um, she's she her husband is actually um, the a Supreme Court justice here for in Florida, and they live across from us. Uh, that's a whole there's a funny story associated with that. But um, she kind of helped foster my own personal um, desire to go into at least some sort of scientific field. Um, but in that time, I took some online courses from Coursera. Um, found a passion for neuroscience. I was like, well, I still want to go into be a physician, but now I want to go specifically into something neuro. Don't really want to do something as hands-off as neurology. want to go more into neurosurgery, and so therefore that's that's been the goal. So, um, yeah, I went, eventually went to UCF in biomedical sciences major, um, specifically in it was the first year they offered the neuroscience track. And what that was was just much more intense um, study in, some, in like restricted electives where you had to take a specific number of neuroscience courses um, that were typically dual undergrad graduate courses. And I just absolutely loved it, excluding just, just one, one course. What was that? Molecular biology of diseases. Um, there's a whole story with that, but, uh, you know, this is interesting because Mitch and Jackie yesterday were talking about, cause they both went to UCF like you mm-hmm. and they were talking about this, um, famed molecular or no wait, bio medical sciences major. You could either do that or just do health studies. Health mm-hmm. sciences, pre- health sciences, sciences, preclinical. Yes. Yes. But then the, those who choose the more arduous route take the route of biomedical sciences. Yeah. And that's because health sciences the health sciences track doesn't require first off organic chem so you can kind of oh you have to take it outside of the you would yeah you would take that outside if you were still planning on going to medical school Um, but if you were wanting to go um, into another clinical specialty 
um, that kind of afforded you the ability to, <laughs> to bypass those courses. Because just like in any university, they're not the easiest. Um, but yeah, this biomedical sciences track, there were a lot of people in it. A lot of people left and then came back as well. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I, I personally enjoyed a lot of the electives, and there I rarely had any complaints. Um, the only thing that was a surprise to me was how much I ended up enjoying immunology as well. Um, ended up, for some reason, they forced us to take a molecular immunology um, course, and it was, I the, the professor that I ended up working with we've I, I'm still in contact with him still I helped a little bit with some upcoming research and I just I don't know um, it's, it's just it was really nice to have a close faculty mentor to some degree even though he wasn't directly involved in medicine um, it was he just it's just a lot of fun to talk to someone who's in immunology and has a lot to contribute just in general scientific knowledge um but yeah um finished in three and a half years um and decide like applied uh the semester the summer before my last semester uh in around i think early july because it was this was at the height of covid as you remember and they kind of pushed 2020 right they, yeah. Okay. They pushed everything back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had my MCAT rescheduled three times. Okay. Which was fun. So this um, is when we were doing step one, and the same thing was happening to a lot of our classmates pushing back step one yeah, tests. Yeah, we had finished step one. We were supposed to be in the clinics. Most July of us. July 2020. But some of us some had of delayed us it, had, and yeah. then that started getting pushed back further and further into mm. 2020. Mm. Yeah. I remember Sam. He talked about that. Yeah. Um. So you get your MCAT pushed back? Yep, three times. Oh, my goodness. Um, once was two days before the exam, which was just, yeah, I, that was the, the worst part was kind of mentally prepping for that and then them being like, oh, actually, it's in about a month from now. Uh, so <laughs> that kind of, thankfully, it went well enough to where I didn't feel, I'm, I'm not going to say it was a stellar score, but I didn't feel the need to retake it. Um, I could have done better, but either way, um, applied in July, uh, got secondaries back to, from, cause I applied to 17 schools, got all the secondaries back, but only got an interview from NSU. Um, so why so few schools just cause were you geographically sort of restricted to an area? No. Um, I had just, a lot of the, a lot of the pre-meds that I had talked to at UCF, um, we're like, yeah, 15 is a good number, an average number. So I know a lot of them who applied to a lot more schools. Um, but I was trying to, f- even though I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm in a bad position financially, I was still trying to watch how much it costs because mm-hmm. it was, those costs stack up so quickly. It can be expensive for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, just kind of being aware of that, just applied to 17 of course, submitted all the secondaries as well, which was another cost in and of itself, and then had this singular interview from NSU. Um, but it worked out. You had a 100% return rate on your interview, <laughs> so it worked out perfectly fine. Thank goodness, yeah, because that, 
that those few well few months i actually got my interview in march so that was also a late interview yes okay okay uh, i know we just we just had our admissions podcast we came out a while ago yeah it's <laughs> um, the recording yeah, yeah. And, and publishing is a little different but that is something and i've been on admissions committee for the past year that is something like so for people that dr bachman and myself will always recommend please if you can't apply to more to 17 schools it is becoming so so competitive mm-hmm. uh brandon you are a special special star um, but it is really, really hard. We say cast the widest net you can cast. If you can, I know there's fee assistance programs that do exist through um, the AMCAS system. Um, but always, always, if you can, just apply to as many as you can and hopefully only go through one cycle. Um, but that's generally what we'll tell people to do. Do you remember where you were when you got that NSUMD acceptance? Very vividly. In your bed. No. No. Okay. <laughs> I was actually at ORMC. Um, I was doing some community service there. And it was a weird day because out of nowhere, um, I wasn't in my normal um, position sitting in a closet sorting paper, uh, like charts for post-op. I was... <laughs> wow, what a great job to do. That was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I mean... I don't know. I kind of like just no, sitting No, it back seems there. like something that you would enjoy because it involves organizing things. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, I was in a, I was doing, I was actually working the front desk because they were a little bit short staffed in the, um, I think it was cardiothoracic surgery. I was in this little surgical waiting room kind of helping people if they, if I got a call saying that um, a patient was, out of their operation and was back in recovery, I would help their the patients get back to them. Just kind of doing some general, uh, yeah, receptionist things. Nothing major, but it was unique because I was kind of all alone up there apart from the people in the waiting room. Just happened to see on my Apple Watch, I got this notification from NSU. I'm like, that's odd. Um, expected to get a rejection letter and then kind of froze when I read the first two lines, which I appreciate. Thank you, NSU, for not, you know, dragging it on in Why your letter. Why did you expect to get a rejection? I don't know. I mean, it was so late in the, in the, in the cycle, kind of like you were saying, it's kind of rare to apply to 17 schools and, and get in. First. No, it works for some, it worked for you. Yeah. We interview all the way until, shoot, this Friday is our last interview. Really? Yeah. And then you really start seeing movement um, post-April 30th, because everybody knows April 30th is the big day where you have to decide where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. And people hold multiple acceptances until that day, and then that's when you start. Mm. So the game's not over if anybody's listening and it's April and they're scared. They haven't gotten in yet. That's actually when a lot of acceptances go out. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. I still... I still was doubting that I had gotten it, considering the track record with the other um, schools. So, yeah, and I just kind of sat there and froze. And I was like, oh, well, that's wonderful news. And kind of... <laughs> Is that how you said it? That tone, everything? Well, no, that's I, wonderful news. No, I was completely silent, uh, sniffling a little bit. Oh, uh, <laughs> like Mitch. Yeah, and just you know the the stray the stray tear here and there, which is extremely rare. Um, a lonesome tear. 
Yep. Oh, Getting nice. accepted to med school is like an acceptable it's time to tear up a little part. bit. I would say of this entire journey, Mitch, if you can agree with I me, agree. the hardest part is getting into med school. Once you're in, yeah. almost everyone gets through. It is, yeah, it's the hardest part. It so is. You guys jumped that big hurdle. All right, so yeah. I want to talk about is you both got accepted, obviously. Congrats. You're making it through. You're sitting here. You're, what, a couple months away, maybe less, from the end of first year. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. How has that transition from all the stuff we just talked about to fundamentals been? Because for us, fundamentals seems like forever ago and also not so long ago, depending on how you look at it. But for y'all, y'all it was truly not too long ago. I want to paint a picture, okay. picture for our listeners. They look tired. <laughs> They're in the midst of CPR. Their eyes are glazed over. They're learning cardiology. They look like they're stranded in the middle of the ocean and they keep getting hit by waves and they're clinging (laughs) onto like a buoy or something. (laughs) Um, So, and that's typical. That's, you know, any M1 anywhere, I hope. Tell us. How's it going? Go for it. No. Wait, well, first I want to know about the beauty of this friendship because you guys are friends, obviously, (laughs) because you look at each other for like friend approval when you talk. It's so cute. Um, and I think friendship in med school is, um, if you don't have friends in med school, I don't know how you get through it. Um, how'd you guys meet? Because <laughs> what's interesting is you started your M1 year on Zoom, right? E- or no? E- no, that's the M2 e- class. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, it was some, hybrid. It was hybrid. Okay. But I remember the class went out. We had two sort of meet and greets at a restaurant and we went to P.F. Chang's. Wait, what? Who planned that? <laughs> Uh, Chun did actually. Our Why PF Chang's? It was just this in is Sunrise. South Florida, okay. Just in Sunrise. Um, Why PF Chang's? I don't know. Sam's offended. I, I don't know. Someone called the wasabi South guacamole, and I just. South Florida's offended. <laughs> I just. I. I, so, I no offense, PF Chang's. Your lettuce wraps are pretty good, but I mean, come on. I mean, I will admit I make better food than that, but that's. Well, so. you you we'll talk about your ramen making skills and mead. And mead. And yes. mead. We'll get, we'll get to that later. But yeah, when did you guys meet? Was it then? <laughs> yes. You met cool. at P.F. Chang's over some lettuce cups. Well, kind of. He okay. was, it was a long table, and <laughs> after dinner, uh, I hadn't talked to him. You caught eyes? N- I, well, no. his fiance was there, uh, Sarah, and Sarah. Shout out Sarah. Uh, <laughs> I saw Sarah, and I'm like, oh, Sarah, you know, you know, I talked a little to her, and she's like, oh, Brandon is, uh, he's not here right now. And I'm like, oh, where, where is he? She's like, well, he's talking with the knife people at the knife store. <laughs> like and next door? Like you, you wandered like next door to the he, knife store? He had left the dinner in, in the middle of dinner. And then. No, I was uh, at the end. We had finished our food. We were all just chilling with dessert. Yeah, we I were w- all I'm, chilling with dessert. And Brandon leaves to the knife place. I wasn't, really, I wasn't really too. He was too. getting dessert of his own. Exactly. Nice and he was there for so long. I'm not too interested in cake. So they, <laughs> uh, I mean, I. Like I appreciate very, I appreciate Chun and her family, you know, hosting this whole thing and getting us cake, but that's just not my thing. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna. I, I we were talking to these people before we went to PF Chang's, uh, Sarah and I, and so I wandered back over because I wanted to go talk to them after um, or like before they closed, and it was just yeah, I was just hanging out. I respect <laughs> the decision first yeah. of all. Yeah, I mean, you got to do what catches your eye. Yeah, 
But then when did you guys become friends? Was it yeah. after the knife store? That was a long time after, actually. <laughs> yes. That was just the first time you remember. So it wasn't the beginning the of school. Store. Correct. No. And my, my best friends in med school were not, like, I wasn't, like, Sam's one of my best friends, Mason's one of my best friends. I wasn't super tight with them at first. It took months. Yeah, I'm- Mitch had to go through the cool kid, uh, She you know, thinks that I did. Routine. <laughs> I was indoctrinated. Before in. he started hanging out with the real cool kids. So, you know, we were waiting for him. <laughs> no rush. I'm a patient person, you know. Mitch needs to discover things, so. So you found your little group eventually, but how did you get through the first block, fundamentals? Was it as awful for you as it was for us? Well, I think when we say awful, it's probably awful for every med student in the country, yeah. right? But they're shaking their heads no, like it wasn't. Go ahead, Brandon. My, my. <laughs> I, by the way, I didn't think fundamentals was awful. I know. And we've I know. talked about this. I, I thought it was It's great. different for everybody, I should say. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a solid science background. So apart from the farm um, and a little bit more in micro, it, it wasn't too much of a shock in terms of material. Okay. It was a lot of volume, certainly, and a lot of diversity in topics, but the actual material itself wasn't, wasn't too bad. It was just the amount that they threw at you. Um, someone's jumping to see <laughs> who's in the studio, but, but the fact that, uh, <laughs> the fact that, like I had that background put me in a decent situation as well as the anatomy TAing that I did in undergrad. I um, say awful as a joke, but I think that's a common theme is that for those people who had done pretty, like done more than just the basic prereqs in undergrad, fundamentals was kind of a actually a nice time, a oh, nice transition. Great. You didn't yeah. have to study that much. Right. And for me, who <laughs> just did the prerequisites, <laughs> it was really tough. Obviously, it was manageable and we all got through it. But it was definitely uh, the toughest part, or one of the toughest parts of, of med school for me. Um, so then you get, you got through fundamentals similarly, or was your experience different? Um, it was somewhat similar because I had done my master's program. Right. Um, our fundamentals is different than some medical schools, it's... and different than what we experienced as fourth years as the charter class, because mm. right? we experienced a bit of a different situation in terms of the very first class, and you ha- already have a very established uh, medical sciences department here, which teaches not only the osteopathic program, but the dental program, the OT program, the PA, every program, right? And so they're just coming in, and they know they have a lecture that they need to give about immunology or microbiology, right? And so they already have their slide deck prepared. It's already a 100 slide deck prepared they've been doing it for years they're already used to having a three-hour lecture but our curriculum is actually designed to be 50-minute lectures tailored to learning objectives so you're telling you're coming in here you're new school you're telling these established professors no no no, you gotta teach it this way um so there was a bit of a disconnect there but eventually it all sort of merged into one so for the class underneath us than the 2024 class and you guys it should and I've been to a few new lectures it's gotten quite a bit better it's streamlined they actually are 50 minute lectures and they're tailored to what your objectives actually are I won't name names but I remember we walked into one anatomy lecture and they were like well I normally do this in eight hours but I have 50 minutes (laughs) so we're not going to cover all this and that was the issue because I mean you already you're talking to a place that has an established med school they already know what they're doing 
Um, and then they have this new MD program in here. There's 50 students. Well, we have this radical curriculum that no other school has, so we're going to do this. So um, there was a lot of working and compromising and then eventually absorbing the medical science department, which is now under the uh, tutelage of the allopathic program. So it's um, much more, yeah, streamlined. Well, I mean, you know, they so just... They you've took had out, the most recent iteration. Tell us about it. I mean, they took out the anatomy problem by just eliminating anatomy lectures. So, you know... <laughs> so you're just in the lab then? Yeah. Okay. So, and that that was quite a struggle for a lot of our classmates. And that's the thing. Um, I don't... Even, even though I, I didn't have that much of an issue with fundamentals in the grand scheme of things, a lot of our classmates certainly struggled with it. Um, especially anatomy. And so that's kind of the reason why, uh, you know, a lot of people were working together to to make that uh, something that people could actually learn from instead of just being inundated with information and just it kind of going straight over people's heads. And that's why you decided to teach anatomy and do sort of extra lessons to complement the curriculum. And that is how I, well, one of the things that sort of pointed me towards you as like, oh, he's very nice. I like Aww. him. Well, that's nice, a budding friendship. So you did some sort of like what, like tutoring sessions or just like workshops or what did you do? Uh, I did I did anatomy streams on Twitch um, during the weekends for the more dense material. Towards the beginning, I was kind of, um, you know, getting my feet wet with the other part, with the other aspects of the course and anatomy was not nearly as rigorous where you're primarily doing, you know, back and lower limb. Or no, did we? I can't remember. I'm thinking about UCF's anatomy course. But either way, um, did anatomy streaming on Twitch in VR. That's um, very interesting. I want to talk about that. You did this for your <laughs> classmates? Yes. So they wore VR? Or no, they could see your VR headset. They I could see through your eyes, I should say. Not through my eyes, actually. Um, so... I had I set up a virtual camera uh-huh. in front of a virtual screen, mm-hmm. and I used a physical embodiment or a virtual embodiment of my physical body to point to and kind of teach anatomy in more of a lecture format because that was part of what our classmates were missing was mm-hmm. that more directed instruction rather than go into the anatomy lab. You should have reviewed Morse clinical anatomy, and here you go, uh, or you know a southern whatever supplemental resource um so i guess you can't please anybody because our class is like yeah we don't need these lectures <laughs> and they went and then too they're far. like no we want lectures so it's uh i guess it's an ever-evolving thing so you did this on twitch which is interesting because um i'm old and i'm sure most people who are in academic medicine or teaching in med schools are probably maybe at the youngest my age maybe a little bit younger than me and older maybe they don't use twitch or know what they it is probably don't um this is a video game uh streaming generally is what it's used for and you used it to teach anatomy that's cool Mm -hmm. so people logged on from class and they watched you yeah they logged on and i also recorded it through obs the streaming software that i used and then apart from that i'd go in every week and or almost every week and go into the cadaver lab and teach people from the cadavers as well for about like two hours ish um, oh, okay, you do like a little live tutoring session. Yeah, because okay. I mean, you can only show so much cadavers and models 
while lecturing, like the, the cadavers are significantly different in the lab. So it, Yeah, and you, every cadaver is different. Exactly. And these are the ones, these are the actual things you're going to be examined, like your examination will be on these cadavers. Exactly. Yeah, I think it was really helpful to have Brandon in the lab, at least for me, because it is very difficult. Even, even I had anatomy before, and I did dissections before my master's program. Uh, it's difficult to know what you're looking at, even with the, the textbooks they have next to the cadavers. Sure. So having someone who really knows for sure what you're looking at, and you're not teaching yourself wrong is really important. And they didn't really have that available to us. So Brandon was a really valuable resource for, like, a lot of people. Oh, you guys didn't have those tutors from the... Uh, no, we did. We we had the, the lab assistants. Like the assistants. designated lab times. Okay. We had the lab assistants, and they were they were wonderful, but they were spread thin. Yeah, and you're limited on time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, but this was like an extra additional little session. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you guys, like, or at least you just identified something you were strong in and you like didn't just keep it to yourself like I know Jackie was really strong in immunology for example so she would I would go to her with questions and I remember she was like teaching Piero and a couple other people like carrying through carrying them through fundamentals in immunology and like I kind of took it upon myself to teach my classmates EKG stuff because that's like the one thing I like Um, so I'm glad to hear that and I want to hear about how you guys got through up until now, or how you're still getting through it. <laughs> Wait, no, I have a question. With your class, generally, is there this uh, mindset of, like, and I think this happens to every med school med student when they start med school, when they start fundamentals. They go, oh, my gosh, they expect me to know this Ph.D.-level knowledge, and, and I, oh, my gosh, how am I going to become an expert in immunology and biochemistry and and um, pharmacology <laughs> all within three. Oh my God! How do they expect me to know this? Like a PhD? Is that that I do? Has it not? Has it not dawned upon you all that you you don't need to know PhD level knowledge? You just need to know what could be on an MBME, which is like super surface level stuff. Or when did this that dawn on you? Has it dawned on your class yet? Because my class, when they first started, that was the general consensus, and I think eventually they learn. Oh no, we don't need to know this stuff really deep. Go for it. I think that, yeah, I, I, I wish our class had more of that mentality. You know, I could have a bad interpretation of my class, but I think that, you know, I have heard people say, oh, they expect us to know everything in hematology. And then, you know, for PBL, I had looked at one of the hematology textbooks, and it turns out they don't. They oh, don't. Oh, yeah, no, there are so many. That big. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, Brandon, you can confirm even an, an undergraduate immunology course goes way deeper, oh, yeah. way mm-hmm. more expansive than you will ever learn in the two week breeze by you do in med school. There's a whole section on up to date that differentiates what like the difference between hemoglobin, hematocrit and red blood cell mass mm-hmm. on like the labs. And like you just learn about anemia. But like there's such a profound difference between what those three things mean. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And that's just one tiny little topic of the first week of Hemonk. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's when people are struggling, they want to complain. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. I mean, it, it is an outlet. Um, but sometimes I think it's sort of misdirected because I think our school and having the MBME test is actually one of the best things because, you know, they say people have been saying like they expect us to know everything. But even if you think that you know that the test is going to be only NBME and NBME yeah. is there's only so many ways they can ask you something right mm-hmm. and there's so many resources that have diluted facts down to the most important things 
that you can, it's probably very easy to, I think, study for these tests and know what material is going to be important. Certainly. Um, the content's not the difficult part. It's the time management part that's the part that's going to get you, right? Certainly. The time management in the discipline. That's usually what will hold people. You got into med school. You're capable of learning these difficult topics, right? It's time management discipline. Those are the things that are going to get you in the hot water. They did for me. Um, and they, that's usually what it is. I've thought a lot about this complaining subject mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. because it's not universal. It's, or it is universal. It's not unique to my class or, or your any class. school. It's a med student thing. We're but, type A people. Well, well not me. I don't even know if it's just a, like I thought I, I want to think more about this, but like. I feel like it's universal just to people. To humans, yeah. When they're yeah. in a stressful situation, because I think back to like even football or even like just undergrad or like working in the ER, like people just complain to like let out stress. Yeah. And like we, like I definitely complain more than I would have liked to looking back at certain points. And I don't know. It's like. You? No way. For sure. Not you. And like you do it just to like <laughs> let out the stress of how hard it is but like it doesn't necessarily always have to be a fair complaint it's just like a complaint yeah. to complain it's a human condition thing but it is easy to get caught up in that yeah it's like easy really to easy let it take over yeah. where like you start becoming like it's fine to be like to complain to your friends and be like oh this sucks so much blah 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 but then you still get the work done and you still learn but you can I've, I found myself teetering on this edge at certain points where it's like you're complaining so much that like you start like losing your love to learn and it's like all you're doing, it's like the majority of your conversations with your classmates or how much it sucks. And like that's when it starts to become detrimental. Was this the time period where we weren't like friends? Mm. Must have been. Well, because like remember that. You're, you're a good friend because you would call me out on that. You'd be like, uh, hey, man, <laughs> you're complaining like all the time. Could you stop? I, I totally I agree. Stop. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but that's how it was for me. It's like an air of like negativity and just like we hate it here, complaining, everyone is out to get us. Which I think if you like really step back, I don't think most people actually feel that way is what I'm trying to say. I feel like they're just saying that in the moment because they're stressed. Maybe I'm wrong. seeking connection, you know, yeah. like this. It's like a bonding the misery thing. Misery together thing, like, you know, commiserating. That might be it. Certainly. I mean, our our classmates, I mean, you get them one-on-one and you're talking to them about the, about the material. And like, yeah, initially it may start off with, you know, this is really difficult, you know, we're kind of having to spend all this time doing other stuff. But when you really sit down and talk to them, they realize, yeah, you may not have to know something down to like the specific allele of the gene that's causing the dysfunction, but learning the mechanisms is important, even if it's, you know, really labor intensive and like, it's not necessarily something that you'd like to do. So it's like, when... (laughs) If when you have when you have one on one conversations with people, they the tone changes, and that's um, kind of at least what I've found with a lot of our classmates is they've become a lot more. Uh, they're not nearly as negative when you talk to them one on one in a group. That kind of group negativity kind of oh, festers. I've been thinking about that. Group yeah, thing. it's contagious. Like yeah. it, the being 
complaining is very infectious and like you hear everyone else complaining and you're like yeah this does suck and then like now you're <laughs> yeah, like complaining all the pitchforks yeah <laughs> and like you when you find yourself doing that like you really do got to take a step back and like it'll happen during this year for you guys and next year and like third year like you do have to try to be the person at least most of the time that's like optimistic even when things suck because if you're not it's it's just easy to complain mm-hmm. it's easy to be pessimistic and cynical and complain so just try not to be I think one of the mistakes I made is when I had classmates that were doing that in PBL groups, I tend to... Like egg them on? <laughs> no. Call them out? No. So we're in between. <laughs> so I tend to be a little bit more optimistic in regards of being in med school in general. It's like, whoa, guys, we get to go to school for a living right now. How cool is this? This building is clean. It's air conditioned. We're sitting in these chairs and we have to sit with an iPad and learn for two hours with each other. Come on, chill out. And like you're 100% right. But until somebody says that to you or like calls you out on how much you're complaining, you don't think about that stuff. I feel like I might have said that too much. And so I sort of have a reputation. Sure. Um. <laughs> You're another. No. You're the annoyingly optimistic person. But it, I don't think optimistic, but maybe, maybe something else. I don't know what it is. I really do think that you know you have so much mental capacity, and that once you get caught up in complaining and looking at all the bad things, that it can take away from you looking at the good things. And you know, I feel like trying to not get caught up in that is is pretty important for one's well being. Yeah, because like when you're even in first and second year, if you find yourself at a certain point, maybe you're in a block that you're just really crushing and you're feeling good, like you're naturally going to be more optimistic. Like you're not going to be one of the people complaining because you're like, it's relatively easier for you versus if you're like stressed and things are hard, like you're going to find yourself being more pessimistic. So, yeah, we've all been there is all I'm trying to say. And Mm -hmm. I don't think people are inherently bad for complaining. It's kind of just like a coping mechanism in a way. Yeah, this is a hard thing to do, go to med school. Yeah, and we're also mm-hmm. speaking, like, and, like, I understand. Like, we're sitting here from, like, the end of med school perspective with, like, literal zero stress med school-wise. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, don't be stressed, bro. Yeah, Just man, be positive. <laughs> well, I've been saying that since year one, but that kind of can, <laughs> that can catch up to you, too. So. so I'm curious. How did you guys get through up till now study method-wise? Like, what has been your, your – I know it's probably ever-changing. Brandon just, like, rolled his eyes. No, I didn't roll my eyes. He did. He did. <laughs> it was a deep exhale. He. It was like a, a sigh. Can I get a playback? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't know if I can replicate it just on the fly. Um, it looked like we pained him, like we just did a blood draw or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's going to hurt a little bit. You're going to feel pinched. It feels like it. No. Um, uh, the, that was probably the biggest adjustment for, me- for medical school. Um, Fundamentals was fine in terms of material, like I said, but then there's these this inundation of um, study resources and just the sheer amount of like like within the first two weeks they're like you need to figure out what you're going to do and fast otherwise you're going to be falling um, behind. Falling Can I behind. make an assumption about you and tell me if I'm right or wrong? Go for it. <laughs> you seem like somebody who takes deep dives into uh, into subjects, <laughs> and that was probably your biggest struggle with adjusting to the way you have to study in med school like you don't seem like a high yield only type of person it seems to me like you enjoy the little nuances and the details of something and you take those nice long cave dives 
you spurlunk into the material. And then you get stuck on a rock. Which is something that I did. Um, except for I'm not as bright as you. So it ended up catching up to me in CPR. But it, it, I get that that from you. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. No, you're completely right. Okay. And uh, Will, I, I think you're kind of in the same boat. <laughs> I am in the same boat. I fluctuate more in terms of my diving. But we just had like a... You dive it? at your own like... When I dive, ease. I dive. Me too. And yeah, you, you're, you're a leisurely learner. Yeah, and we, we spent three hours talking about calcium channels the other day and doing <sighs> a deep dive on... That sounds horrible to me, but to <laughs> me that sounds kind of fun. So it depends. Cool. It dep- I, I do have a few subjects that I can deep dive on. Um, I feel like you're Max 30-minute guy, though. No. For a discussion. It depends on what... For a discussion to save your Maybe. I don't think I can really rounds. talk about much for more than 30 minutes. Yeah. Except maybe, like, video games and football. Mm. But... Yeah, I, I have selective uh, selective deep dives as well. Yeah, but that's not how it usually works in med school. Right. Well, you can make that work for you, but at the same time, you have to cover all your bases. See, for see, I feel like Brandon's the type of person who will make sure he covers all his bases at the sacrifice of sleep, social life, eating, mm-hmm. you know, toileting, the whole thing. Oh yeah, it's all gone. Whereas William <laughs> might be like. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the, wrong you might take the Samantha route where it's like well I learned what I learned we'll see how it goes <laughs> um. pretty good analysis here I think so far yeah should go into psych no I'm kidding no way. you uh, did consider that for a while yeah, let's I'm not, not kid ourselves I'm not, I'm not a par- a parental enough to do that oh yeah tell us what are you all interested in at this point I know we kind of talked about it for a few seconds we're, go- we're both going we into... We talked about it before we started recording. Yeah, now. yeah. Yeah. We both are going into internal medicine, like you guys probably know. Mm-hmm. And what are y'all interested in at this point in first year? Uh, I'm pretty set on psychiatry. I'm not sure where in psychiatry, but somewhere. Okay. When you say pretty set, what does that mean? Because um, I was pretty set on EM then. Because he has cool tattoos. I do see that. <laughs> There's cool like cool no tattoos. other way for him. It was either EM or psych. Um... I think, you know, I was sort of under the impression if I wasn't going to be a psychiatrist, I would be a psychologist okay. or a therapist. So, like, so now that you're here? So now that I'm here, it's kind of like, doesn't feel like there's another option for okay. me. That makes sense. I like that. I think you're going to follow that through for sure. And Brandon? I, he already mentioned neurosurgery, but yeah. tell us. Tell us neurosurgery. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, I, I want to go... I prefer cranial more than spinal. <laughs> he already knows which one he prefers. <laughs> no, I, I believe it. You don't think that you're... Do you think it's possible that your mind could be completely changed by something else once you get to your third year? I'm not going to act like I'm, you know, that I know everything. So, therefore, yeah, I, I mean, I could change, but I've been stuck on this for literally over a decade. Um, oh, wow. So... It's been one of those things that I really enjoy, and it kind of along with the deep dive aspect, it's just there's so much to know and so much to learn and so much that's changing as well. So that combined with immunology, there's all those new immunotherapies for things like glioblastomas, and I think it's I think merging the two is that would be a lot of fun in, in clinical practice at least. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the reason why. I think that's good. And I think most of the people I know that have gone into surgical subspecialties do have an idea that's what they want to do really, yeah. coming into medical school or at least during their first year somehow because it takes a lot of preparation to 
gather an application together and like really look on paper like you have as he shakes his head. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And like it's like we know it's you know, Mason and Kyle, like they both plastics and ortho respectively, very competitive and it, they worked their butt off mm -hmm. for those. And it's mm -hmm. going to be no different for neurosurgery. So I commend you for that. So let's get back into place. We finished fundamentals. You guys did it fine with your study methods. Mm -hmm. But your study methods are un unfortunately unique in med school because every everybody knows everybody uh, learns the way of the Anki. I never did. I was always very resistant towards it, towards it to the point of actually making fun of those who do because I'm a bit of a Biff Tannen myself if you've ever watched, um, <laughs> you know, Back to the Future. Um I know who Biff is. Oh, okay, we all know Biff. <laughs> <laughs> William just shot me the look of death. Like, how dare you be a Biff Tannen? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm not a Biff Tannen. Um, but uh, you guys didn't go that route, right? That's not your perf or did you try using? Well, something you know, board so sources or well, something he said that it's kind of related to this. He was like, it was an inundation of resources, That's which right. I feel that. It's, I mean, fundamentals is one thing because there's so many different things. But when you get to Hemonk, it's like one subject, like one organ system in a way. So you have all these different sources ahead of you. Like, how did you even begin to know what I was going to do for each test? Yeah, it was um, that. Ironically enough, that was the thing that caused me the most stress uh, throughout fundamentals and not as much in heme because by that point I had kind of settled. But that actually re nearly sent me over the edge within the first few weeks because I was like, was like, how am I supposed to navigate all of these different resources and try them all out while also learning what I need to, um, you know, still prepping for an exam? Are you the kind of guy that looks at reviews for, like, electronics for hours before you buy one? Oh, yeah. That's me too, so I feel <laughs> that. It's like indecision because you're trying to make the right decision. And then you buy it on eBay, and it's uh, not even the real thing. That's actually Mitch. I've had good results with eBay. Our the new espresso machine I have came from eBay, and that, that thankfully turned out all right. But I tell them about your game of Catan. That you've I've had overwhelmingly eBay. good results with eBay too. Except I bought Catan, the board game, for like half price, and it's mm, like a complete knockoff. Like the pieces <laughs> don't fit together. The pieces are plastic. <laughs> We called it crouton. And crouton. We, and we use a crouton <laughs> the for like the middle. are different. It's yeah. Just, it's not crouton. It's crouton. It's crouton. It's so anyways, you were inundated with resources. How did you begin to slice through those and figure out what's going to work for me? I tried them all. People thought. <laughs> I <laughs> bought all of them. <laughs> I wish I was joking. Uh, no, but I, I literally tried them all. People thought I was crazy. Um, so you, you tried them all, tried to use them all, all at once? Uh, kind of. Wow. Um, so, but I ended up settling on my, my general study methods now are if the book is not extremely long or depending on the subject, um, if the book is like a really nice read, like the pathology books are really, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy those. Mm -hmm. Like Robbins? Or Robbins what? is Robbins. the best book you'll ever find in med school. Yeah. yeah. Um, Robbins is good. I already read the Sullen Malek bio book in undergrad, so that's just mostly skimming, but um Apart from that, like, it really just depends on how much reading material they assign and um, if I think I can, in a reasonable amount of time, cover that material. If I don't, or if I can't, I just move on to a different board resource primarily, um, like the USMLE art uh, bricks and 
some of the others um, that are out there. I'll kind of do a hybrid, just kind of like adjusting on the fly, so to speak. Um, but I don't really touch Anki because it just takes so much time to go through all that material. I'll, I'm plan on picking it back up for um, during the summer semester to start reviewing for step and some of the past material we've gone through. Um, but currently trying to get through CPR material and Anki CPR material is, I just feel like it's incompatible with actually, for me personally, being able to actually retain that information because I don't have enough time to actually learn it in the first place. I don't think that it is possible uh, realistically to do those big comprehensive Anki decks as well as do like textbooks and like videos and questions. I think it needs to be like Anki or like, you know, videos plus textbooks and then both of those combined with practice questions. Mm -hmm. I, there's not enough hours in a day for both, for most people at least. Yes. I tried Anki and instantly fell behind. Mm -hmm. And especially with someone who has had a difficulty. Oh, you're this kind of, yeah. I, I am, I will spend 12 hours a day doing work. And then the weekend I'll do zero for the whole weekend yeah. or even longer. Like Same. I, for G, for Geiner, it was pretty, pretty bad. But, um, so I can't do Anki. But I also think that Anki is misused in my opinion. I think that, you know, I think that after learning about learning styles and how learning styles are a myth <laughs> and that usually it's based on the material you're learning, I think that Anki does some things well, the things that are really memorization-based well, but the more conceptual things I find the people that focus on Anki kind of struggle with. And I think that that's because although you can learn it through Anki, I don't think it's the best way to practice it i think anki is amazing and they're doing nothing wrong i think people are abusing it and using it in a way that is you know that's all they use i think mm. it's just a way to just straight memorize things and somebody said that so much <laughs> somebody said some old d attending doctor you worked with said meds i don't know if you guys heard this as you're applying to med school you always had this old attending at least i did that would say Med school's easy. You just got to memorize everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, somebody figured that out, <laughs> and they did it, and they used a, a, an absolutely beautiful piece of software to implement that, that it's, it's a really good piece of software for everything, right? It's the idea of spaced repetition. It's great. It works. Um, but it's, I think, abused in med students. I think it's, that's all they use. I tried to find a happy medium between, I think, everyone here <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Where And, like, I also had been flow with Anki. I wasn't doing it every single day. Like, I didn't keep up with my reviews every day. He like, won the Anki King, uh, actually, award. People did vote me the Anki King. It's a, on a, his award is a paper plate that says Anki King. It was, what, it was like the end of M1 year celebration party. I didn't go to that. Fair Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Congrats. you. I'm still hanging up. It's hanging on his wall like, as a point of pride. <laughs> I think it was just because I showed people how to use Anki early on, and therefore. You did, and I actually really appreciate that you did that. that That's, nice. I mean, you have to understand, we started with no upperclassmen, and nobody knew what to do, and we have a whole new admi the administration's new, too. They're building a new program, and they have experience doing that. But um, we, you know, he's like, hey, guys, I heard about this thing Anki. I'm going to show you guys how to use it. Is that and your Mitchell voice? Yeah. 
I, <laughs> I used I would still read like uh, Costanzo physiology and like Robin sometimes, but like Pathoma generally. And I would use Anki kind of to like cement in those high yield facts. And I found that really helpful. Um, after step one, though, I never touched it again. But I, there's I used... a paper that says, and I remember because Joel told us about this paper. He actually presented it. I think I know what you're talking about. That for every extra or every thousand, you'll have to, sorry I, if I'm wrong. I think it's every 10,000 Anki cards that you've matured, you'd score like 10 points higher on step one. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. And so you hear that and you know, okay, well, this works. There's data behind this working. I'm going to do it. And I, I think that's what people do. I have looked into some of these studies, mm-hmm. and some of them are questionable. I would not doubt it. <laughs> like, doubt it like, there's also a correlation between doing more Anki and just studying more. So, I mean, here's the thing: if you're going to do Anki as like one of your primary study methods, like you can't just memorize the facts. Like, I would edit them heavily. Like, I would write explanations for the concepts on the cards in my own language. So, like, I had to know the concepts to even do the cards, and like, it worked for me. But in the end, I feel like Anki was too draining mentally for me to keep up with those cards. And like you wake up and you have 650 reviews, like that's not sustainable for me. I would much rather do practice questions and read textbooks and like use that sparingly. I think it is good for stuff like micro and farm. That's what I'm using it for. I think that's a good happy medium. If you use um, Anki for micro and farm where it is a lot of just facts, like this drug causes this side effect, that's beautiful. Um, and yeah, then, so I, I really like reading the pharmacology books. I don't. I think they're incredible. It's like reading I think they a, are incredible. a manual yeah. on how to put together a table. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like That's those fair. things. It's, oh, it's, it's a little bit, uh, the time it takes to go through that material, though, in those farm books is a little bit draining. But I agree. They're, they're nice books for what they are. You uh, just the limiting factor is time on everything, right? So yeah. I guess the big theme is if it works for you, please do it. If we don't use Anki, that's fine. You should still try it. Some of our best uh, test scorers from like my little group of friends that I know um, don't use Anki at all. Yeah. And, and some, some of the do. people that did really well do use Anki. Mm-hmm. It's not a prerequisite to doing well. It's an amazing tool, but you can get lost in the sauce. And don't feel like you've got to do it, right? You like, don't got to do it. I know everybody's doing it, and it's like a way of life now. And some people use it from day one, and they're religious, and, like, it works for them. Some mm-hmm. people pick it up, like, during dedicated for step one or step two, like, at a random later point. It's fine. Like, mm-hmm. try it out. If it doesn't work for you, that's cool. Yeah. Big believer in try it all. Completely different switch up. How you guys doing? How are you feeling about research? Because this is a weird time for me in my medical school journey. Like I was going to do research over the summer. I had never done research before, admittedly. Do you guys have stuff lined up? Are you like trying to figure that out? Because a lot of first and second years are like freaking out about like, I need research. What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. Um, got yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got way too much going on is okay. the problem. Um trying to set up research for the summer, current research projects um, with CPR. That's been fun. Um, Thankfully, I've kind of balanced it to some degree, Um, but I have some some primarily like historical literature analysis in neuroscience. Um, I was working with some some neurosurgeons in Miami and I just and I've been working to get some summer research with Cleveland Clinic neurosurgeons started up. Um, but because of a hold in some of the other, some of the research I'm doing, I'm actually looking at potentially um, reaching out to another neurosurgeon 
So um, you're pretty heavily involved already. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're you are looking at neurosurgery, so you are still probably thinking you're gonna have to take a research year. Probably. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a sad reality that I have to come to terms with. It's common <laughs> advice that we tell people. Um, at least you know we told at our second look that we just had during our research portion of second look we told people hey if you're looking at ophthalmology dermatology neurosurgery know that you might have to add a research here there are exceptions to the rule but they are very rare exceptions mm-hmm. mason um, is an exception that's a very rare exception that nobody should follow um because that can't that just doesn't exist anymore right we were in the covid lockdown time the perfect recipe, that I guess. That person doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So, you know, his his story is unique. Um, but research here, most likely. Yeah, and that's that's something I've come to terms with. It's just that's reality. I if like I want to get enjoy into that, it. though. I don't feel like that's a, anything that would put you behind. It's not so much about being behind. It's just I want to I move on to the next thing. Um, Maybe research here is the next thing. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'll be doing research for the rest of my clinical career as well. Yeah. So, um, but more so just the sheer amount of time that residency and fellowship and all that stuff surrounding neurosurgery, um, you know, kind of, there's always that, that thought of when do I actually get out of everything and finally start, um, and, and I'm done with like my training, so to speak. A long time. Exactly. You're going into the longest... Seven years? Just of residency. Just of residency, yeah. yeah. So, and that's something that I've thought about. And it's, the thing is, though, if I have to get, if I have to do a research year in order to get into that position, obviously I'm going to take it. But if I don't have to do that, that would be ideal, of course. Um, So it's, it's in flux because we're in our first year. But I'm hoping that if I continue to push as hard as I am currently, it'll work out. We'll see, though. Will, how are you feeling about research, man? Well, I'm glad Brandon's here because I'm the opposite. <laughs> I <Good for> balance. <laughs> I don't have many things lined up, and that is something that is stressing me out, and I'm working on. Don't stress out about it. This is something again we talked with our, you know, during second look. Your primary goal is to be a med student. That's who you are. And it, there's a lot of stuff, right, that you think, oh, my God, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do that. It's all going to come. It's all going to line up. It sounds stupid to say now, but I, I promise you it all lines up. It did for me. It did for Mitch. It it's did for a lot of people in our class, M- almost everybody. So, and, like, at the end of the day, for, like, most specialties, like, you're applying to psych, most likely. We applied to IM. The average applicant, like, just talking – across multiple specialties, maybe has a couple publications, if that. I'm not even sure what the average would be overall. Um, I mean, it depends on how you define publication. Yes. Because ERAS defines publication, everything under the umbrella of, you know, a manuscript. Um, a poster. A poster. Or an oral, an oral presentation. presentation. A workshop and a conference. It's, those are all considered publications on ERAS. So if, Brandon, you actually publish, you know five actual papers in the New England Journal of Medicine, the number's still going to look the same as if Will were to go to 10 poster presentations. It does go into a subheading called peer-reviewed publications, but that's all under the heading of publications. Yeah, so if they're so. just a number, they're gonna the number that they can filter by is going to be your publications number. So, you know, obviously you're going to want those publications 
because you're doing neurosurgery. Yeah. yeah. I think the point I'm trying to make is that as a first year, it's fine. Yeah. And as a second year, it's fine. And you will find time during third year as well to do some research, like even later in the game. Even the beginning of fourth year, some people are starting projects or working on projects or closing out projects. So, and, and I don't know, I don't think you did summer research, but my... No, I did not. Yeah, my summer research was just like one project down at Kendall and I like helped, uh, I would like look through... Uh, charts and I would input patient data into this Excel spreadsheet and like I helped write some of the manuscript but like that was my very first research thing and like that was a lot for me because I had never done research um, so like if you're intimidated by it or you like you're having problems finding research it's fine you're in good company especially early on mm-hmm. this early on it's not the most important thing depending on what you're going into but usually it's not sorry Brandon no, <laughs> well, Brennan is an, is an exception. Brennan knows what he's signing up for, he does, right? Yes. He, he, this is what he wants. So he wants to do neurosurgery, which means he wants to be in a field that is heavily research-based. And that's something that he, I'm assuming, enjoys. And usually so, the, the percentage of a class applying to neurosurgery is like 5% or less. Yeah, so it's a self-selective sort of thing. For And what the, like for 95, 90% of people, they're not going to be having to work as hard as Brandon or other neurosurgery applicants will. It's just kind of the reality of this game that we're all playing in, which, you know, for better or for worse. But if you're like most med students and you still don't have any idea what you even want to do because you haven't even gotten to the clinical rotations yet, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's a majority of our classmates. Um, we, But that mentality, that gutter mentality, has, certain fo- has certainly followed a lot of us here to NSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, part... I don't know for you if that's as much of the stress. Wait, what's the gunner mentality? We might have completely different definitions there. That's true. People do. That's true. Um, well, at least from this is just from from my perspective. But um, those students who are just constantly pushing for, for example, um, trying to get all of this research experience, um, trying to go into a competitive specialty as as hard and as fast as they can. Um, that's kind of, at least currently, that's what a lot of our classmates are doing is because they may not, some of them may secretly, you know, be trying to score highest in the class, but it's pass fail. So most of them are just trying to do other things on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there, you know, focus a lot of their attention on some of those extracurriculars, but really putting in a lot of research time. Since a lot of people in our class do want to go into somewhat competitive specialties, at least currently. And that's not at the detriment of anyone else, though, no. right? Then they're no. not gunners. Oh. Yeah. They're just really driven. Neurotic, maybe. No, well, not even that. They're just driven. They know what they want, and they're mm-hmm. trying to, um, I guess, stack the deck in their favor, right? But they're not trying to mislead people and say well oh i found this this resource or this test actually doesn't have this or showing up to your clerkship and taking your patients and megan you look bad in front of the attending well i feel like those that's that's you know i feel like i see possible and i don't like to make assumptions so but i see possible signs of like (laughs) gunners and right now it's pass fail for like the first the cardinal symptoms or yeah i see like you know insecurities i see like it's everywhere yeah but i know but i feel like you know i'm worried a little bit about clerkship (laughs) right and i think we have those fears too right because we go from a very collaborative oh no big deal it's okay 
Um, we go from a very, um, he almost dropped his spice rack, which is what we put our mics on here. Yes. Um, it's very official. Uh, we went from a very collaborative first two years where we're all sharing everything. And then you think, oh my gosh, well, what happens when we get to clerkships and only 30% of the class can get honors? Does that mean people are going to stop collaborating? Um, that was a fear that I had. I, it's, you know, and then it just depends who you rotate with. I, this makes me think about, like, it's possible that a reason some of these students act that way or come off that way or carry themselves that way, they don't even know what they want out of a career yet. So they're trying to, like, cover their bases. or like, mm-hmm. they know that things like having publications is, like, something that's generally regarded as good so therefore i'm going to try to do that or like doing really well on step two like that's really important now so therefore i'm going to crush that or like honoring rotations and they're not really thinking about like how much that truly matters at the end of the day they're just like that's a thing i need to do therefore i'm going to try to do it and they kind of put everything else to the wayside um and then a lot of people like i feel like this prestige or like a lot of people are aiming for like a prestigious specialty or like orthopedic surgery sounds really cool when you're a first year. So like, I want to be ready for that. And then they see their first orthopedic surgery and they're like, Oh, I don't, I'm not even remotely interested in that, <laughs> but it sounded cool up until this point, And now I don't know what to do. Um, even like from our perspective too, like, I don't know if you felt similarly, but going into what I thought I wanted out of a residency program, going into application season and what I ended up ranking are very different. Not very, maybe very different, but I thought it would basically be like best program to worst program on paper. And it was really, I mean, as it should be, best program for like me and my wife versus the least best program. Um, And it wasn't like a number one to number 15 of best to worst program. Like my number six was probably the second best place I interviewed. Um, So I think shooting for prestige is something first year students think they'll want to do and then by the time you've got through everything you realize you have different priorities and you may not know what those are early on i am in a different place than i thought i would be i'm on the completely opposite end of the spectrum where i thought it would be going into app season and then coming out of it i did not expect any of that to happen i thought i'd be staying here um in south florida yeah at all costs didn't care where um, but I think once you get out to the interviews and stuff and you see what's out there and you find your fit, which is that exists, you find the place that makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. If you can even feel it through the computer s- screen. I swear you can. Then you, you don't you don't have any other choice but to rank it as such. And I was telling Will this, too, like before we started recording, everyone is like rightfully so you're stressed out during first year you're trying to be successful for whatever that means to you you're trying to get the best grades and pass the tests at, with a high score and be above the mean etc and do research but i swear at the end of the day when you go on your application to to residency which is what this is all like, gonna boil down to it just says on your msp in like one line it's like they it satisfactorily does. passed the preclinical clerkship yeah that's it i wish i could tell more like m1s m2s that you know and it's like step one at least for us was graded so like even if it was pass fail we were like studying for that ultimately and that is a reflection of how you did your first two years right is your step one score so you guys won't have that and then you're just gonna have that one line on your dean's letter that says they successfully passed their and that's it you spend so you spend half your time in med school you know you're under strife and stress but then it's all just for once. <laughs> 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 and it's like copy and pasted from everybody else. And the, the worst 
performing student and the best performing student, they're going to say the exact like, same our, thing. Mine and Mitch says the exact <laughs> same thing. And Mitch was getting, like, probably equivalent of A's on everything if we were not pass-fail, and I was getting the equivalent of, like, C's on things. So, no. you know. But seriously, that's what it does boil down to. And, like, of course, there are things that you can do during those first two years. Like, Brandon's doing a lot of research because he wants to do neurosurgery. Like, that's perfectly fine. But I think just keeping that perspective in the back of your mind and, like, just don't take it so seriously. Like, take your intensity down a notch. It it will be okay. All of us made it. Like, it will be fine. I think that's going to be harder for Brandon to internalize than it's going to be for Will. But that's why they have each other. Because of the specialty or because of? Personality type. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, we have some similarities, but also some differences. And I I also say this with perspective in that I was a very stressed out first year medical student. Yeah, this guy was so stressed out and I was not and I should have been, you know. So I'm not saying this as in like I'm here now like it was so easy. Like I truly was very stressed first year. But if I, I think if I had this perspective or if I had somebody who was a fourth year saying this, it would have helped at least a little bit. And I could have been a little bit more stressed. I currently hold the record for the lowest test score ever <laughs> at NSUMD. And we've been through four classes now, so nobody's beat my record. <laughs> so. How do you know that? <laughs> Every year, just Dr. Bachman like, come trophy. to you. And just <laughs> I'm going to get you a trophy. <laughs> I will. I'll send it to Cleveland. Please. That would be great. No, please don't. Don't? Okay. <laughs> they might regret their choice. To your house, oh, not, okay, to the, yeah, not to the year program. Send it to my Put house. it in, the, yeah. in your office. <laughs> but that's, uh, you know. Yeah. And that's, that's from pure and complete and total laziness. That's me starting CPR and going, ooh, we have three exams. Yeah, I can totally. I can watch four I can, series. I can blow <laughs> off the like the any this exam right, and I can probably get like a sixty percent. It's still cool. I can pass. It's all good. No, yeah, that was my mentality. I go in there and I get, I get a forty eight percent. So, um, and mine was the opposite, where it's like I have to do really well. I have to prove to myself I belong here. Like a little imposter syndrome mixed mm-hmm. with like just being generally worried about like performing well. So it's, it's a recipe for disaster, and none of that's necessary. There's a yeah. happy medium. You should always, like, you should not start studying the Friday before Monday test. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, well. That's, but I think most med students live in that. They know that, and it took me up until the first CPR exam to realize that because and, I had so much science background like you did where a lot of it was coasting and just maybe reviewing things and learning more about things that it afforded me the ability to, to sort of, you know, study at my own leisure. I I will say too, this stress that I had, it wasn't because I was like working too hard or anything. Like I had a fairly balanced schedule. I still like worked out and like played video games and like hung out with friends from time to time. Like it was just a mindset thing. So just, it's going to be all right. Yeah. As Dr. Uh, Vassal would say, yo, 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 chill. Chill. (laughs) One of the psychiatrists, he's an awesome guy. When patients would be like, yelling and stuff he would hold his hand out and be like yo 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 yo, chill and of like a really relaxing jamaican accent yeah it would cause you <laughs> great to guy out. yeah and how he says goodbye to everybody peace love and harmony peace love That's and harmony goodbye. he's oh. a beautiful man i'd yeah. love to meet this guy well, you, you will you will you will he's a figure of uh aventura psychiatry yeah probably want to preference your psychiatry at aventura it's a good spot yeah it was very fun it. Yeah. It, i didn't love it 
<laughs> but you just don't like the field. Yeah, yeah. That's nothing not your, to do with the people thing. there. Yeah. Wonderful people. Great program. They um, actually won the world, the very prestigious Sammy Award two years in a row for world's best residence. The Sammy Award? Yeah. <laughs> they have it there on display. You'll see it when you get there. <laughs> do you guys have any expectations for what you think may come in the years ahead? Or concerns, worries, things you're excited about, anything? Like, what are your thoughts on the next, the future of your remaining time here? And if we could clarify anything, we will. Are you excited about clinical rotations? Are you excited to get some time off? Time off? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, I mean I, I'm excited for clinicals. Um, I'm, you I know, know you like, said you're excited for BBV. Oh, yeah. Uh, can't wait for direct and direct pathway and, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's oh, great. Yeah. That's like me when before they bring my food out at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yes. That's how I felt about cardio, though. Everyone's got that thing that makes them tick. You know, yeah. triple B is the thing that. Uh, well, CPR changed my my whole academic life, and triple B is where I actually started studying like a med student, and it made life easier. Parkinsonian symptoms versus Huntington's chorea and the the diverse pathways that all converge. On. It's it's all great. Wow, um, I can't wait for you to get there. Uh, it's so much time was spent with such a wonderful professor at UCF learning that material. But, um, yeah, I mean, clinical rotations is going to be great. Um, being being in the clinical setting is what I really enjoy, although I love the books. Um, so I can't, I can't wait for that and kind of being able to, to network quite a bit with all the different subs, with all the different specialties because um, – like it isn't lost on me. I spent a decent amount of time with an internal med physician um, during undergrad, and I'm also still in contact with him. He's a family friend of ours, and I don't know. There's there's always something to be gleaned from all the different specialties, and I and I enjoy doing that. So I think it'll be fun. I'm I'm excited for that um, kind of practical application of knowledge is is just a really nice thing for me personally. I think I'll probably have a little bit of a different mentality. <laughs> I do love pa working with patients, and for two years I worked with them, and I really, really miss that. And I even love like our standardized patients because then you know I can pretend and I sort of remember what it's like to actually treat patients. But I think some of the time I'll be thinking, man, I could be doing something psychiatry related. But I do enjoy learning, so. I'll probably try to just keep that in mind. There's psychiatry in every specialty you're going to go through. That is true. I can tell you that. And it's you can you can approach it however you want to approach it. With the if you're on IM and you want to sit in the your patient's room and get to know them and be their visitor every day and know their story and help in that way, that's you can. You and then same with gen surge cuz you still you're going to have your patients that are assigned to you, right? There's a fair bit of psychiatry and really interesting psychiatry in the field of OBGYN, um, especially just just being in the clinic, just regular gynecology clinic. I think talking to a lot of those patients, there's a lot of elements of psychiatry in that as well, or maybe therapy. Still the same, right? I don't know. You tell me it's the same thing. Um, but, um, and then, you know, eh, pediatrics. 
That is what it is. And then, um, <laughs> you know. I'm looking forward to the patient. So it should yeah, be good. The patient part, I think, is you're going to find joy in, in elements of psych. I mean, it depends what kind of elements of psych you, that you're truly interested in. Like, if you want to only see people who have, you know, the things you read about in textbooks, schizophrenia, um, you know, catatonic patients, stuff like that, you'll see that when you get to your psych rotation. Um, but I think you're more, you, you're, you said you would be a psychologist if you weren't going to be a psychiatrist. So I think you might enjoy the actual chatting with people. And you'd be surprised too. Like I have no doubts, like you'll be a psychiatrist, you'll be a neurosurgeon, but you'll be really surprised what you may and actually end up really liking that you didn't think you would like. Mm -hmm. Like people, like even OBGYN. Oh, I, I loved I, it. I thought I would hate OBGYN. It just sounded so boring. And then I got there, I was like, wow, this is fascinating and fun it's incredible. and I thought I would really love psych and I did not like it um I am like when I went into my first clerkship I literally was like I know I'm going to be ER doctor most likely but I'm going to have an open mind quote unquote and then I am rotation just like transformed my whole career path so and and that may not be the case for both of you so like yes at best that's what happens and you find some new career path you didn't expect and at minimum, you'll at least be able to get a different perspective where, yeah, you're finding the psych, for example, in every single field and you're gleaning something from the field. And even at minimum beyond that, you're learning how those doctors operate because you're going to be their colleagues one day. Mm -hmm. And it's so fun, too. Mm -hmm. It's such a breath for me. And I know not everybody loved third year. For me, it was such a breath of fresh air from what y'all are in the midst of right now, which is just learning material for the first time. And I think it even like it's even reflected in studying for shelves in step two. It yeah, it's different material, but like it really is like going back on what you're learning right now and adding a little bit of diagnostics and treatment to it. This mm -hmm. is still the foundation of everything, so it's not as hard studying for step two. And I think that's not just my opinion. I think most people feel like step two is easier on the brain to study for because you're just yeah. adding to what you already know. I think third year is going to be the abrupt, you know change in terms of you were in what maybe felt like could have been a grad program for the first two years which is straight school and now you're actually work in a nine to well in a 12 hour a day job and you also study when you come home so they're two different the two different you know one's like a professional school like a training school like if you were to go to training to do anything like electrician or anything like that in your first two years it's like okay you're getting some sort of master's degree i don't know what but something like that and then you're it's it's totally different it's completely and totally different third year is amazing it's what you go to med school to do um there are aspects of it that aren't amazing we also had um a faculty member at one point and they kind of described like the different parts of med school, like the first two years you're like learning the language of medicine. Like you've never, like you maybe have heard about certain parts of it before, but like you're learning how to speak medicine. And then you get into third year and like your whole objective third year is to become really good at like information gathering, like being able to talk to a patient and like really get a good history out of them, like actually understand how to do a physical exam and be able to convey that information to other attendings and residents in like a cohesive manner. Like that's hard. It's hard to perfect an oral presentation. Um, and then fourth year and even into residency, you're learning how to synthesize all the information and really think like a doctor. I mean, you're, you're trying to learn to think like a doctor the whole time, but where you can actually take a lot of different information, know what's important, and, like, what are we going to do with it? And, like, I feel like that's kind of what being a doctor boils down to is filtering out a bunch of info and doing something positive with it. 
I agree. Yeah. So you have a lot ahead of you, and it's nothing like this. We're at an hour and a half. That means it's time to wrap up. <sighs> oh. <laughs> you said, oh. oh sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the song. It's the last one. It's Mitch's last one. Yeah. Um, Maybe so I'll make like a virtual special appearance one time. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Just FaceTime me in. Yeah. So what are your guys' plans going forward with the podcast? I know that you're going to take over and do a lot. Well, one exciting thing that we've kind of announced recently or found out recently is that it'll be a fourth-year elective. Yes. I think that's really cool. It's going to be a fourth-year elective, so you can actually get credit for doing this towards graduating, um, which is pretty incredible. It's not only restricted to fourth years. Um, some people who may circumvent doing research or maybe put off research to their fourth year in the summer between M1 and M2 year could also take it as what when I talk with Dr. Bachman. Um, that, that that is an option as well. So it's an elective. I think it'll give it longevity and that it's like, you know, when the rains eventually get passed, people will always be around willing and able to help out with it and contribute new ideas to it. Dr. Bachman's got actual equipment upstairs. So. It's nice equipment. It's better than our Ikea spice rack. <laughs> <laughs> this has a special touch. Yeah, right? <laughs> they have a homey feel. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we have equipment and we have like, it's an official curriculum, like it's an official class in our curriculum. Mm -hmm. It's pretty legit. It's pretty cool. Um, and that's all because of these two guys sitting right here. You guys, yeah, I remember our little Zoom meetings when we were just, like, thinking about this stuff theoretically. Like, oh, let's make a podcast. What's it going to be? Mm -hmm. What equipment do we need to buy? And mm -hmm. then it just kind of happened. Remember that list that Brandon made? It was, like, mm -hmm. it was really expensive equipment. It's basically the stuff Bachman has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from what you've said, at yep. least part of it came to fruition. <laughs> no, it did. It did. You're going to be excited to see it all. Oh, Sam and I were ready to record with our iPhone. <laughs> yeah, we had. Yeah, we didn't care. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. Uh, I, was, I was like, huh? I was like, <laughs> we found a happy medium. We just came in here with a MacBook and two USB mics and started doing it. That's better than an iPhone. That's <laughs> yeah, it is better than an iPhone. I think it was good to start that way, too. We had some janky episodes. Like, the mm -hmm. very first one, we shared a mic, and it was great. <laughs> uh, but I think it was good to just start off quick like that because it got the ball rolling. There's a jump in quality between episode one and two. Well... Yes, yeah. there is, because we were we had two mics for two people, so and that's we start, something. We switched to the MacBook. We switched to the MacBook from the PC, yeah. and now we have four people and four mics. So wow, that's what a, a long way we have come. Yep, 15 episodes. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple. Hey, dude, I've been here for every single one, and now I'm out of here. It's yep. making me sad, but yeah. it's been really fun. I wish you would stay, but you know. I know. All good things, right? Got to come to a close. That's a bummer. This too shall pass. What are you going to do, though? I don't know. I'm going like, to go to Gainesville and become a doctor. Yeah, but not <laughs> until July. I have 56 days, I think my countdown said. What are you going to do? How I really video don't games know. Can you play? Come I'm on. not going to play video games the whole yes, time. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You just said how many can I play? October. Elden Ring? <laughs> I have been. I'll put more time into Elden Ring. I don't know. I'm going to have to figure it out. Just finish. I need some sort of creative outlet like this, so. I don't know. Maybe I'll make more EKG videos. What else can I do with my life? Why don't you just stay here? <laughs> All right. You've convinced me. <laughs> Until you graduate. <laughs> Come on. You've cr tried to convince me like six times. I already got the U-Haul. We're leaving on Friday. Shoot. Mm. Such a hurry to get out of town. She said I'm leaving. 
guys. Like I said, they got a, net, a reservation at Applebee's they can't miss. <laughs> Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, it's real important that they get there. For real though, thank you guys for being here. Yeah. It was really cool getting to know you, talking to you. I'm sure you'll be on many future episodes. I will try to keep up listening to them as long as I can. And until then, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. It's thank you. It's been Goodbye, special. Bye, Mitch. We'll miss you forever. <laughs> Goodbye, Mitch. This is the final play out. Mitch, <laughs> you've been my friend for a while. Mitch, please exercise caution when you're seeing patients. <laughs> Mitch, don't always just assume it's the first thing that you think you have on your mind. Mitch, just know that you can be wrong, but most of the time you're not wrong. <laughs> Mitch, I'm gonna miss you when I'm gonna sing it in this song. I don't want you to sink, I only want you to swim. Please, Mitch, don't leave. Just stay until graduation. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.